0: Hi, and welcome back to the Joyful Balance Podcast, your favorite podcast when it comes to neuroscience, psychology, and nutrition. I'm one of your hosts, Denise, a cognitive behavioral hypnotherapist, and I'm joined here by
1: Mira, and I am a nutritionist with a background in psychology and neuroscience.
0: Whoop, whoop. We're here to guide you through the very complicated journey, which is life. And we are trying to make it a little bit less alone for you guys. So we are trying to, you know, share all the knowledge we have and learn alongside yourselves how neuroscience and nutrition and psychology are all interlinked. We are just at that intersection. So we've had a couple of episodes uh, recently where we were talking about the brain and we were talking about emotions we got a little bit sidetracked mm-hmm. however we're coming back to the brain we are it's quite important and it is such a unknown for many of us and the benefit of having mira here is that she will share with us a lot of information and listen guys, you might need to listen to it twice, just because some terms you're not familiar with, and maybe some others you would have learned in biology, but you may not remember them. And I, I'm, I'm not joking, it's very useful. So yeah, buckle up, guys. So this, so uh,
1: in a previous episode, I kind of covered a very uh, grand tour of the brain and what it does, and how, uh, what I didn't quite cover is how it does it. So I'm going to just uh, go through a couple of points that uh, I want you to hold on to and, and this episode is actually more about uh, you know nutrition and the brain and what we actually know but I'll, but I'll still be covering some, some brainy bits anyway so just to remind you uh, you know your brain weighs like nearly about 1.5 kilos. It's a heifer and that's because it's made up of about 60% fat. Uh, you know fat is super important in terms of like the scaffolding for your brain cells and as I mentioned in biology the way that a thing is structured in your body relates to its function. It's very very important for its function. So fat's not only basically build your brain cells it also helps to insulate them which means it's almost almost like the um, insulation around your electrical cables so that you can send and you receive your, uh, your signals really, really fast. Now, speaking of which, your brain is made up of around 86 to a billion neurons, and then it's got five times as many um, helper cells, which are called glial cells, which have a number of different functions, including supporting and protecting your neurons. And the, the thing that I didn't get to quite cover, which is really, really crucial to around... Um, Brain health, nutrition and mental health is that your brain cells actually don't physically connect to each other, which is kind of mind blowing in itself. The way that they talk to each other instead is through chemical messengers and they send like little emails from one neuron to another. And they're essentially called and they're called neurotransmitters. So you might have heard of these some of these before. Examples include serotonin, uh, which is a common um uh, thing that they try and target in terms of your mood, because it's very, very relevant to mood. You've got others like dopamine, which I mentioned in previous podcasts that relate to reward, uh, and you feeling that sense of pleasure when you, you know, for example, have uh, hit a new target at the gym or whatever it might be, or learn a new skill. Uh, and there are many, many more uh, that we will discover over time. Now, um, to help all of these functions, and the fact that your brain is such an energy-hungry organ... Um, basically taking up about 20% of your brain of your entire body's intake of energy is taken up by the brain, which makes up 2% of you. So despite its small footprint, uh, it's actually a very, very hu- energy hungry organ. So, all of these things mean it's really, really, really important to feed ourselves well. So, what I'm going to do is take you on a very quick tour of kind of where we've got to in the nutritional science around, um, uh, you know, around uh, how to eat well for your brain in particular. Uh, it's really vast to try and cover all in one um, podcast mm. uh, episode, but I'll do my very best and uh, I'll take you on a bit of a journey. So, um, you know, one of the ways that uh, we've kind of really discovered the importance of nutrition, generic generally, uh, and how that plays a massive role in terms of health is is the way that scientists started looking at longevity. So, um, a, a chap called uh, David Bootner—I but- think that's how you pronounce his name—he was a he is sorry a National Geographic fellow and author who uh, basically built on a concept. Uh, that was um pioneered out of dem- uh, which was demographic work, looking at uh countries that basically had the n- largest the pro- proportion of people who were living mm. very long lives, so he <sighs> kind of built on the yeah, you know what i 'm going to talk about so i'm so, excited <laughs> so this grew out of um some work by Gianni pez and Mikel Koolain, I've probably massively butchered their names and I apologise profusely, but basically what they did is they looked at the demographic data around the world and uh, essentially placed blue blue circles around the zones uh, from which they had the highest uh, concentration particularly of male of males reaching their hundredth plus birthday and Sardinia actually came out as top um, and then so, De- so Dan B- Bootner built on this and he found there were five places in the world that people were living the longest and that was Okinawa in Japan, uh, Sardinia in Italy, Nicoya in, in Costa Rica, Ikaria in Greece, and a place, uh, interestingly, in California that I didn't even realize called uh, Loma Linda, mm. um, and so he, so he, as a result of the demographic work by uh, the the um other two that i've mentioned he then uh literally took the name uh, blue zones and and kind of trademarked mm. it and has built a kind of community and an understanding of of what mm. actually um you know makes these uh areas of the world so set up for people to live long and healthy lives essentially um Dan uh, you know in kind of looking at quite deeply at these areas, identified that there were several things that really contributed to uh, you know the uh, these uh these areas having such a high population of people that live for longer is, know it's all centered around the way they actually live their lives. So part of it is social connections. Part of it is, is regular physical movement. And that doesn't mean necessarily exercise, but actually just living an active life, um, having the right outlook. So as Denise mentioned, managing stress, having purpose is also really important, but also is, it's, it's in the, in what they eat and the way they eat. That's actually really important. So Dan, um, it's kind of branded this in the sense of eating until 80% full. Denise, mm. you might have a view on that. Um, having a slant on plants, so leaning towards more plant-based foods and having a moderate alcohol intake. And I'll, I'll circle back to this. So basically, you know, the story goes like... Um, the story goes that, you know, when uh, we discovered sort of blue zones and and the fact that people were living uh, these long and healthy lives, we wanted to drill down into what actually components of their healthy lives really made a difference. And that's when people started really paying attention to diet. Mm. So, you know, uh, what you'll notice is that a lot of these areas are centered around the Mediterranean. So, uh, you know, and as a result, the Mediterranean diet has and the diet pattern has been one of the largest, most strongly and consistently evidenced diets that is really good for cardiovascular health, but also for your brain health. So originally, they started looking at it from a cardiovascular point of view, probably because like the death rate from cardiovascular, particularly in the Western mm. world, is so, so high. Um and they wanted to understand what makes these uh, the Mediterranean diet so great at protecting heart health. And that's because, you know, it includes a lot of minimally processed plant-based foods. It's rich in monounsaturated fats. And I'll talk about what that means. It's low in saturated fats. It's a moderate intake of meat and dairy. Not no intake, but moderate. Um, and that actually, you know, the thing is what you have to realize about the body is that it's, it's all your systems are interlinked. They're not isolated from each other. So we'll, well, ultimately it's good for your gut health or your cardiovascular health uh, is actually really important for your brain health as well. And so what they did is they extended this research and kind of looked at actual, can Mediterranean diet be beneficial for other uh, health conditions? And that's when they started really looking at its benefits for mental well being as well. So large studies have been conducted, uh, you know, on looking at the Mediterranean diet, supplementing it with extra virgin olive oil. And mm. we'll, I'll explain very briefly why that is so important and all nuts and, and looking at their effect and have found that actually it does improve, um, symptoms of anxiety and depression, uh, in those that suffer from it, uh, you, by using, uh, very simple kind of Mediterranean diet principles. Mm. um, and so, you know, I suppose the question is, you know, OK, well, what actually within that really has the benefit? So what they then did is they then did a mashup of the cardio of, of a diet that's been uh, shown to help reduce the level of hypertension and hypertension, is high blood pressure. And it's really important we manage that, particularly when we relate it to the risk of strokes, which is basically uh, a bleed uh, in your brain. Mm. Um, and so they actually did a mashup of the Mediterranean, of the diet to kind of reduce the risk of hypertension, plus the Mediterranean diet. And they called that the mind diet. And that was a slant on encouraging eating berries, dark green leafy vegetables like spinaches and kales and collard greens and, and that sort of um, foods. Plus other veg, nuts, again, extra virgin olive oil, whole grains, fish, legumes, and. Uh, and some poultry, and what they found is that actually it can prevent the formation of um, structural plaques, which is basically what what leads to the development of Alzheimer's? So you kind of get these clumps of protein in the brain, and that can cause your that causes brain cells to die, and that's what leads to symptoms of Alzheimer's. So they've actually shown that it's not just for mental health, but it's also protecting your memory and your cognitive function. So that's your your um, obesity, your ability to kind of <laughs> well, reason. it protects for yeah, that as, well. as well. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, it kind of protects your ability to problem solve, to think critically, um, and and retain all of the and retain your memories and essentially helps your brain to live a a longer healthier life um so just to kind of, and I'm I'm speed rattling through this, but because there's some other really interesting things that I kind of want to talk about. So just to highlight, what are the, the components of the Mediterranean diet that make it really healthy? So number one is that they rely on whole grains. So that means that they retain the outer bran in the, in the whole grain. So if you imagine things like brown rice, they retain the outer husk. That outer husk is incredibly nutritious and it contains, it, it also does include the starchy inside, which is not, bad but it's 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 about combining the two that's really really important because the outer bran will help slow that release of the starches into your Mm. bloodstream which helps keep your energy levels more stable also that bran contains a lot of benefits like b vitamins which are massively important for your energy it helps to build neurotransmitters which is how your brain communicates and is massively important for your mood but also your memory function um and also contains um, these wonderful things called antioxidants. Antioxidants essentially prevent your brain cells from rusting. That's as, that's as simple as I'm going to put it. So it helps to protect your brain cells and helps them live for longer. And it also, the fiber is massively important for your gut health. Uh, and, and I'm going to come on to this, um, but I'm massively speeding through this. Um and what's, you know, your gut is really beneficial for your brain health. So um, maintaining a healthy set of microbes, and I'll talk about that really briefly next, uh, is massively important. Obviously, fruits and veg, they provide plenty of vitamins and minerals. Again, they provide these antioxidants and fiber, but they also provide these really important chemicals called, phy- called um, my God, I'm losing my own train of thought here, called polyphenols. So fruits and vegetables, they contain these massive superheroes called polyphenols. And polyphenols are these nutrients that naturally occur in plants. There are over 8,000 different types and they all play different roles for your brain cells. So not only do they help stabilize your blood sugar levels, and that's massively important for maintaining, um, uh, you know, a really... uh, balanced mood but also prevents blood sugar spikes mm. which can cause you to feel anxious and irritable um but also has a knock-on effect on your own on your long-term health it helps to reduce um it again helps to protect your brain uh, from from undergoing rusting it promotes the health um it promotes the growth of healthy bacteria uh and also protects your brain function interestingly <laughs> um interestingly uh the, the In terms of what they use for protein, it's a lot of reliance on, on a big intake of legumes. Um, so that's your beans and your pulses. Again, they provide tons of fiber and tons of nutrients. They limit their intake of dairy. It's not no dairy, it's just more limited. But they also have a really big intake of fish, so solid two to three times per week. And that's massively important because fish in particular the oily ones like mackerel like sardines anchovies and salmon um yeah they are hugely important for your brain they help to reduce a process called inflammation which if you imagine when you've had a burn you get that redness that swelling that pain at a low level that can occur internally and that is really damaging for your brain cells and for other um, aspects of your body but your brain is particularly vulnerable to things like inflammation and also um, that sense that um, process of biological rusting Mm. so omega-3s help protect against all of that as well as contributing to the structure of your brain cells and that insulating layer so helping them actually work optimally. Now, what they use, interestingly, is uh, nuts and uh, is extra virgin olive oil as their main source of fat. And the extra virgin part is actually really important because it contains so many antioxidants and actually it's been shown to help reduce inflammation. So, again, it's just a hugely protective of brain health. So if you can get extra virgin olive oil, it's available to you. I highly encourage that you use it. And despite what they say, you can cook with it. It does burn more easily, um, so you know you're looking around temperatures of about 200-ish degrees, but that's still pretty high for most forms of cooking. So don't be afraid to use it. Is is what I say.
0: Um, I made French fries in it. Did you really? How um, were they? Fabulous. Yeah, I bet they were. Um, I'm, I'm not even joking. I really. It wasn't deep fried. It was like in a pan, like a shallow fry. More saute. regular, yeah, yeah, yeah. regular, f- f- because it wasn't like a, a massive amount of oil and then, yeah, then the fries submerged, submerged. Yeah,
1: it was uh, fabulous. Yeah, but it was sounds delicious. So don't be afraid to try. That's yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, you know what you want to be avoiding is the more margarines and mm. very processed um oils that are hugely refined. And that unfortunately, what they tend to do is call is create. Is, is lean on biochemical pathways that increase inflammation and we want that to drop uh to in order to protect your brain health what they also do is use water as their main source of hydration yeah. water is crucial not only is it important for making sure things throw, uh, flow through your bowels properly which is really important for your overall sense of well-being but also your your brain health but you can feel absolutely shattered and unwell when Mm. you are dehydrated so it's really important that we keep up water um and use it as our main source of hydration and you know if it's of interest i can provide tips on how to do that at a later point they do consume moderate amounts of alcohol they lean on red wine red wine naturally has some antioxidants particularly ones called resveratrol or from that family um and they can be really benefit they can be beneficial for brain health but the importance is it's moderate and it's not binging so it's like mm. one glass in an evening is basically what what yeah, it,
0: they've noticed in terms of a dietary pattern so instead of uh, the one apple a day is one glass of <laughs> wine a day
1: I mean I don't personally I, advocate <laughs> that quite as but like you know having that a few times a week is no bad thing essentially No no absolutely and it tastes nice It yeah I mean I've never been into what, to red wine I mean, I'm not really a wine drinker I'm more of a
0: cocktail guy. I, mean, I mean I'm I'm not really the number one fan of it but yeah. you know there are worse things out there sure yeah, and if, if that helps the inflammation yes please <laughs> <laughs>
1: bring it on um okay so then you know one thing that we must link uh, and that's really important to link when you're thinking about uh, you know nutrition for um your brain health is actually how intrinsically your gut health is linked to your brain health um so you're you're There is essentially a nerve which is a super highway between your brain and your gut, and that's called the vagus nerve. And I believe it's one of the longest traveling nerves in your body because it kind of goes from the base of your skull all the way down to your intestines okay so that's actually a pretty damn long way for uh for, for your, your nerves to travel considering how small they normally are mm. so um now your your gut has the largest um supply of nervous of uh of nerve cells um compared to any other peripheral organ in your body so that's more than um it's about the, it contains the same amount of nerve fibers which is about 400 million ish uh which is actually the same as your spinal cord which is kind of crazy if you think about it and the vagus nerve helps act as this communication highway between your gut and your brain it links your emotional and uh, your thinking centers with some aspects of your intestinal function so basically your brain will signal down to your gut things around like activating your immune system um how close uh, your gut cell will your gut the, uh, the cells that line your gut are cl- how close they are together. Uh, I'll talk about this in a future episode, but basically when you undergo periods of stress, it can cause the gaps uh, between your um, cell, your gut cells to kind of widen. And that basically allows for things that we don't actually want to get in our bloodstream to get in our bloodstream, where they can kind of cause havoc, like things like inflammation, which then knock on, on your brain health. But I'll cover that again at another point. It also determines um, in it also determines um, sort of movement of your gut um, and how well things actually move through your system. Now, similarly, there's actually uh, a lot more uh, information that gets sent from your gut back up to your brain, right? So, um, you know, it can uh, affect the amount of n- of neurotransmitters that you produce, so things like serotonin, which, as I mentioned, is massively important for your mood. GABA, which is my favourite neurotransmitter of all time, because it's the relaxing one, <laughs> um, and it also affects the expression of uh, um, of my f- other favourite uh, molecule, which is called BDNF, which uh, its long form is brain derived neurotrophic factor, and that is like fertilizer for your brain cells to grow new connections. It also the, Your gut signals, um, it also helps to ensure that that barrier around your gut, so your um, the lining of your gut is is intact and protected. And that's really important for keeping things that we want to go, uh, stay out of our body, which mm. is basically means that it stays in the gut and leaves. Um, and it keeps it out of your blood circulation, which is really important for managing things like inflammation. It also... Um, can affect uh, your mood and it also can affect your systemic um, immune system as well and there are other metabolites that your bacteria produce that live in your gut which can go on to affect your brain health so what I'm trying to highlight to you actually is that your gut has way more of a say into your brain and your emotional state than you might perhaps realize hence the gut feeling absolutely so the gut feeling is real so when you feel that butterflies in your tummy when you are feeling anxious and you're constantly leaning loose I know it happens to me that's because there is this the huge highway and a huge connection between the two so that's why a lot of what is good for your gut is also very very good for your brain now one thing that I didn't um one thing that's really interesting about uh your your vagus nerve and and something that Denise really wanted me to cover is um this idea of what's called vagal tone So um, your vagus nerve forms um, part of uh, an axis, which basically is called the HPA axis, which is your hypothalamic pituitary adrenal uh, axis. And it's basically the interplay of um, a f- a couple centres in your brain that I've previously mentioned uh, pituitary releasing a lot of hormones and controlling hormones in a lot of different parts of your body um, your hypothalamus which also is involved in triggering a lot of um, hormonal uh, processes in your body and it also has a link to emotional centres. Mm. Basically what happens is when these two areas are activated it sends a signal down to your adrenals your adrenals are these little glands that sit upon your kidneys and they pump out the stress hormone cortisol so when you know your emotional centers in your brain activated it causes these stress hormones to be produced and that's what causes what's called the fight or flight response which is and there's also freeze too right Mm. yeah but
0: yeah fight flight or freeze
1: yeah and yeah. so, yeah, and that and, and the classic uh, com- thing is like, uh, or example is like, if you're front of like a, t- a tiger, you're either going to want to apparently try mm. and fight it, or you're going to do what I'm going to do and run like yeah. the wind. Yeah, that's
0: the you know the tooth tiger when we were exactly when yeah we so were way back when exactly. In so it's
1: it's an innate survival response. It's activated within all of us when we get stress. It's a very natural, very human response. Now, what they found is that. Um, is that uh, your ability to kind of respond to stress and, and cope with stress is determined by your vagal tone. And so your vagal tone is basically how responsive your vagus nerve is to kind of these alternative states of relaxation Mm. and and actually responding to stress. So um, there's this, there's this, uh, and how they measure vagal tone and how good your body is at regulating stress is by looking at something called heart rate variability. So heart rate (laughs) variability, so I'm ticking, yeah, and Denise knows exactly what I'm talking about. So your heart rate variability is basically the difference in terms of your, your heart rate between your state of stress and then your state of relaxation, and you might think that having high heart rate variability is a bad thing, but actually it's the opposite. If you have low heart rate variability, it basically means that you're not able to kind of uh, go from like a stress to a relaxed response mm. very readily, and so you're kind of either in between or you're kind of at the upper level yeah. of like relaxation slash you're you're permanently kind of a little bit stressed to say the least. So actually what we want to do is improve vagal tone and increase heart rate variability. Now, there are a number of ways that you can do that. And what's really interesting actually is that studies have found that that, um, uh, those that suffer from things like IBD, which is... uh, Uh, Inflammatory bowel disease, so things like ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, Mm -hmm. but also other conditions like IBS, which is different to IBD. IBS is irritable bowel syndrome. Actually, show that they have reduced vagal tone. So there's basically a bit of a miscommunication between, I think, what's happening in your emotional centres that then is affecting your physiology and vice versa. So, and the one way that you can one way that you can look to improve vagal tone is is partly through modulating your gut bacteria. Um, and that's a, a really interesting concept that uh, kind of scientists have been looking at and it's not just about improving your vagal tone but because these gut bacteria form such primitive functions like um, producing some of the majority of your uh, neurotransmitters for example so you know somewhere between about 80 to 90 percent of your body's serotonin is actually produced in mm. your gut and that's because serotonin helps um, it helps to it helps with intestinal mo- mobility so basically your gut cell walls uh, muscles to actually move which is probably why people when they start SSRIs which are medications to increase the amount of serotonin they can Often suffer uh, with stomach problems, and that's possibly probably why. Um, But uh, where was I going with that thought?
0: Probiotics, I would assume.
1: Yeah, exactly. So actually, what's really fascinating is that they found that certain strains of gut bacteria, particularly those that are from the Lactobacilli and Bifidobacterium Mm -hmm. family are what's called psychobiotics in that they can actually have a direct impact on your mental health so that's why regularly consuming probiotic foods is really really important it helps to alleviate anxiety increase GABA um, increase brain-derived neurotrophic factor which helps with neuroplasticity so it helps to mold your brain and make new brain cell connections and it helps to drive down inflammation which protects your brain cells and there's two ways you can actually grow this in this intestinal forest of bacteria and you really need an ecosystem that's like a forest um and that's not only through having uh foods that contain bacteria so that's things like you know natural or greek yogurts um uh, sauerkrauts, kimchi uh, kombuchas which is fermented tea or kefir which is fermented milk um, but also to consume fibre so scientists have found that having 30 plus plant be- different plant based foods because it's the different types of fibre that feed different gut bacteria that helps to grow an entire garden of different gut bugs which you need to have in balance in order to have a really well functioning um, set of bacteria it's not just about an overgrowth of one or the other mm. um, so 30 plus plant-based foods tends to confer better diversity and better diversity is good for gut health and therefore for brain health and so you can do that by having lots of different types of fibre particularly leaning on sometimes ones called prebiotics so those have persistent specific value in um they're basically uh fibers that you you don't really digest but your gut bacteria do and what they do is they ferment that fiber and they create things called short-chain fatty acids which basically acts like rocket fuel for your gut cell for your gut cells and for your gut bacteria to kind of grow proliferate and protect your gut wall so And what I wanted to also highlight in this very quick whistle-stop tour of what nutrition can actually do for your brain is that it's actually, what I want to make sure we stress that it's not just um, the Mediterranean diet and components of the Mediterranean diet that the only ones are beneficial. I want to caveat the fact that that it's just been the most well-studied. But there are other aspects of um, uh, different... uh, Uh, different foods from from around the world that can be beneficial and one great example and my personal favourite is green tea or matcha tea Green tea um, and matcha tea are massively beneficial for brain health, particularly matcha. It contains levels of something called um, L-theanine uh, and, and it also does contain some caffeine and mm. another compound which has gone completely out of my brain, which is so annoying because I read it this morning. Mm-hmm. But essentially, it's the combination of all three um, that particularly confers benefit on brain health because it basically takes, uh, what it does is L-theanine helps relax you, the caffeine helps improve focus and together they can, they can create this sense of focused alertness which is something that's difficult for all of us to come by in this day and age Mm. and it's not only just um, the the main like macronutrients that are important but it's um, it's also uh, things like your spices so ones like cinnamon which helps to balance blood sugar levels saffron which um, anecdotally at the very least has shown has some antidepressant properties Um, cardamom turmeric which is massively important for reducing Mm. inflammation so is ginger as well all of them are still count towards your plant-based fibers though those plus herbs as well uh so things like unfortunately for denise
0: coriander parsley (laughs) i chose parsley fair enough uh parsley
1: (laughs) (laughs) basil all of these will still contain plus the spices all contain these polyphenols which are these massively powerful uh plant-based chemicals that help to again nurture that forest of bacteria that live in our gut but also can protect our brain cells And it's what I also wanted to highlight is that it's not all about nutrition. Um, You know, there are many facets to mental well-being and to cognitive well-being. Nutrition is a hugely important part of that, because if you don't fuel up your brain correctly, it's not going to run as well as it can do. Um, But it's also what you do outside of your diet that's also really important. That includes That includes that includes (laughs) That includes managing stress having um a- adequate hydration which i don't count as as nutrition as such it's its, its own beast in a way but it, it does form part of a nutrition plan um manage did i already say managing stress yes Yeah. okay managing stress uh hydration sleep hmm. exercise um or, or you know mindful movement essentially and social connections um all of these things are hugely also really really important uh for your mental well-being And that's kind of what I wanted to cover today around the story of like nutrition, mental health, uh, cognitive well-being, where the science is at, why it's important. And I hope I've kind of given a whistle-stop tour. I don't know if you have
0: any questions or anything you want to add, Denise, because you've been... I've been listening. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't have questions as such. I I think just a a very few uh, builds is that another way to look at the vagus nerve would be correctly or incorrectly, depending who you're asking, is to look at your autonomic nervous system. Yeah. Because by the name autonomic, you can't really control it in the sense that you can't. So the autonomic nervous system has two branches. One is the sympathetic and the other one is the parasympathetic. And the sympathetic is making sure that A, you breathe, you're alive, you have a heart rate and it. Manages all of this involuntary thing. So we do not have control over them. You you don't have to think to breathe. You do it without thinking. But also it has a huge, huge um, element of digestion. So it really, really helps guide digestion, the sympathetic nervous system. Versus the parasympathetic is the one that makes sure that you relax yes. is the one that brings the happy <sighs> kind of thing and rest, rest and digest. With, exactly. Yeah. All the rest and digest state. And the, para, uh, sorry, the sympathetic sometimes is called the fight or flight response. It's it does much more than that but sometimes to make it easy you th- know one is rest and digest the th- other one is
1: so so what i read what i which i thought was a great uh, distinction is like the sympathetic is surviving yes. and the parasympathetic is thriving Correct. so that's the difference
0: yes and these these guys as as i said already they on the sympathetic nervous system you can't actively choose to act upon it's like an on and off switch it's either on or off Mm. you you can't really just dim the light it's either you're running from the tiger or you're fighting the tiger pretty much versus the parasympathetic nervous system I like to call it the inbuilt relaxation system as soon as you know how to tap into it and it's very simple and I'm sure we will cover it in depth in our next episode it allows you to improve that heart variability that Mira was telling us about yep. it allows you to actually after a stressful period uh, or a stressful event to calm back down and rest and allow the you know the body to to function and for me that's just the angle that i've taken on both of these if you are in a constant state of stress, i.e. your sympathetic nervous system is running the show, yeah. he, that system is not interested in digestion or proper digestion.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because they've they've found that actually, you know, something that really, particularly for IBS sufferers, um, is, is uh, using uh, tools like mindfulness can be mm. really helpful for managing IBS symptoms. Um, because you're you know stress and stress doesn't and bear in mind stress doesn't have to be psychological it no, often it is can, yeah it can be because of illness uh your your immune system is activated for some reason um it, it's a, a physical problem but it doesn't always have to be psychological no. but but such is that there is such a strong control like there is such a strong control of that survival mechanism um that it's really important to engage the other side in order to reap the benefits on your digestive system. Yeah. Um, for sure,
0: for yeah. sure. And if you if you are one of one of our listeners, maybe struggling with your digestive system, or maybe you are, you know, in a position where it's high levels of stress, to the extent where it's chronic, so it's over an extended period of time, and you might think, "Oh my God, why am I not? You know, why is my digestive system not as it used to be?" Mm. That could be your sign that you are performing at a high level of stress constantly. Yeah, meaning your on switch is on, and you didn't get the chance to turn it off via your inbuilt relaxation system and mindfulness uh, therapy meditation lots of things can help and we will cover them because it's very important we we share that with everybody absolutely yeah some of them are simple and basic and others are a little bit more you know they, they take more practice but the goal Of all of these is Mm. to make sure that you come back to the balance and come back to the, oh, I had a very stressful, whatever it was, the body doesn't know if it's stress from, as Mira said, from psychological point of view or whether it's actually somebody in front of you chasing you. Yeah it or if there's something uh, an, an undergoing yeah. yeah an underlying
1: illness of some it's just kind yeah on. Yeah, <laughs> I know yeah, I yeah. have
0: to be on cuz I need yeah. to survive yeah yeah And then as soon as you you are learning how to make sure you turn it off as 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 you need it it just brings back the focus of those digestion a heart it lowers your heart rate lowers your breathing makes sure that every uh, organ gets what it needs mm. that's I think to wrap it up, in a maybe clearer way, the sympathetic side of your nervous system would be always responsible to keep you alive. Hence, it only works with those particular organs that are very, very important. Yeah,
1: because it diverts blood flow away from a place the like upper guys. yeah, like <sighs> your digestion is just not important.
0: Exactly, because yeah. if you need to run, you need muscles in your legs. You don't really need to go to the toilet, kind of thing. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. if your your other side of the your inbuilt relaxation system make sure that everybody's on yeah. so if i can put it like this the 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 fight or flight is like only the key guys in your body are activated with the other with the the um, inbuilt relaxation system everybody gets some yeah and that's Maybe the best way to look at it also when you are thinking about stress. In stressful, high stressful situations, whichever uh, the cause might be behind that, not all of your organs are having happy lives. And then when you come back down and you you know rest, digest, everybody gets a little bit of happiness yeah. inside the body, I mean.
1: Yeah, totally. And, like, you know, there's definitely nutritional ways that you can help uh, your body cope in periods of stress, essentially. Um, you know, and, and it is as important, if not even more crucial, at the point that you are stressed, that you you really are mm. taking care of, your, you know, physically of your body. And, you know, I think, I think the beacon of light is, you know, that actually nutrition plays a... A role in a number of different ways about how it can help with uh, mental and cognitive you know uh, well-being Mm. Uh, and and it plays it plays a big role and it doesn't matter what point you're at in your journey whether you're at the beginning whether you're in the middle whether you think you're at the end like you're you're not like you you know you you're it's never too late to change or or do something about it and and there are benefits to be had and Mm. science is discovering that all the time and hopefully I will be here to help you sort through it all. Yeah. Uh, So yeah I guess the tips are or the main takeaways are Mediterranean diet is one of the best and most well studied. Don't neglect your gut health and you can actually help improve your gut function and your gut health by managing your stress levels essentially and, yes. and engaging that parasympathetic rest and digest and improving your vagal tone by things like meditation, having lots of probiotics and, and, uh, and hypnosis. Pra-
0: yeah. And practicing, practicing other psychological tools. like Yeah. 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 Hypnosis. I just want to throw it very, you know, I could have <laughs> thrown it a lot, <laughs> but I want just to, to mention it very briefly, less than 30 seconds. All hypnosis is self-hypnosis, meaning what you tell yourself, the stories you tell yourself, what you practice with yourself in your imagination is a form of hypnosis. Mm. And that is very much there to help guide, help settle you in the present moment, help uh, cement the learnings, the behaviors. That It's such a good tool to have. And sometimes whenever... Somebody hears about the word, they think about something completely unrelated and distant, i.e. mind control. Mm. And I just wanted to to point out hypnosis and IBS, uh, hypnosis and weight management related issues, sleep, stress, burnout, a lot of other conditions has had a lot of research. It's been almost, I don't know. 70 80 years of all sorts of uh, you know randomly um, controlled trials and clinical trials and this understanding of how it plays a role mm. in helping you manage different situations and I would just um, invite you all to just open your mind and maybe do your own little research. I will definitely guide you more in the following episodes. Yeah, I'd
1: love to learn more about hypnosis because it's it's an area
0: that I don't know very well at all. So, with with pleasure, it's just uh, for now. Read up yourself. How, get
1: curious, guys. Like that's the purpose yeah. of the podcast. Get curious. Yeah. Uh, we are. We hope that we give you we've. Uh, you know emulated some of our passion and interest and yeah we, we hope you found this useful yes uh so that was a whistle stop tour thank you for 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 tuning in guys if you like what you're hearing you want to hear more Give us a follow, like and subscribe, ring the bell, do all the things. Please get us noticed. We want to keep doing episodes. We want to keep filming and recording and talking to you. And uh, if you've got any feedback, positive or negative, constructive, uh, let us know if there's anything that you think we're missing, anything you want us to cover, any questions you have. Get in touch with us at our socials. We'll put it all out there for you. And yeah, we look forward to speaking to you soon. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye.